You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Thank you guys for choosing to spend your Sunday here at Impact with us. Um, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler. I am the student coordinator here at Impact. which means that I am over the middle school and high school youth, which means that I don't speak up here, so I'm here today. Um, it also means that my messages are 10 minutes, mine today is 30. So we're going to try and get used to everything going on up here. So I just wanted to start my message off by telling you guys a little story. Um, so I'm going to start the story by saying I was pretty dumb in my youth. Now, I know what y'all are thinking, Tyler, you must be 25, I'm 20. Hair loss, it happens. Um, so when I say I was dumb in my youth, I was dumb in my 16 youth. So like four years ago, not too long ago. So in my youth, um, I went to one of my friends, Dawson. I went to his house for 4th of July and we were like, man, let's shoot off fireworks. It's going to be fun. It was fun, right? Um, we were shooting off fireworks, just kind of hanging out. Um, we were shooting off the big mortars, which are like the really big fireworks that go really high, big explosions, that kind of stuff. And, uh, we thought it would be a great idea to put a small little trash can over it. Now, it wasn't a big trash can. It was like a little bathroom, bedroom one, maybe, I don't know, a foot tall. And uh, we put it over it and shot the firework off. Now, what we weren't ready for and weren't expecting for was the trash can to shoot off the ground maybe six inches, fall over to the side, and have the fireworks sitting on the ground. So as soon as that happened, we all took off running because it was about to explode. And uh, as soon as it explodes, kind of explodes everywhere, little bits of fire start popping up in his front yard. Now, whenever we see that, we're 16-year-old kids doing things we're not supposed to do. So our first instinct was, oh, crap, what do we have to do? So we sprint back to Dawson's house. He grabs this water hose, and we take it out to his front yard, and we start spraying out some of the fires. And we realize we don't have enough water hose. Can't reach some of the fires. So what do we do? We... uh, we grab a big cup, we start filling up the cup and just making trips back and forth so we could eventually put out all the smaller fires. And whenever we were finished doing that, we were kind of laughing about it like, ha, huh, we didn't burn his house up, we did good. We're firefighters, we should be. And uh, whenever we start going back to his house, we're bringing the water hose back with us and he sets the water hose down and like 20 feet to the left is their grill of their house. And uh, beside the grill was a fire extinguisher. And I looked at him and was like, Dawson, you mean to tell me we're doing all this with a water hose and you had a fire extinguisher right here? He's like, dude, I didn't know that was there. What would I need a fire extinguisher for? I was like, you mean to tell me you didn't see it? And he said this, and he said, I didn't know where it was because I never thought I would have to use it. Never thought I would have to use it. How many of us view our faith like that? Where we are like, hey, I trusted in God. I'm a Christian now but I hope I don't have to use my faith. I hope I don't have to get put in a sticky situation and in an uncomfortable situation where I have to rely on God. See, when we face the fires of our life, we face the 4th of July firework fires of our life, we begin reaching for everything else except the fire extinguisher because we choose to not use it. We forget that it's there. We forget that we have it. And I'm going to take it another step further and say what happens when We reach those fires in our life, and we don't have it. We don't have the fire extinguisher. We don't have that faith in our life. What happens then? 
What do we do in those situations? See, a real faith is something that you don't just use once a day. It's not something that you use once a week. It's something that you use for every decision in your life. You use it for every decision, every choice that you make. Not just the ones that you have to make, but the ones that you don't make as well. See, me personally, I want that to be my life where everywhere I go, every choice I make, everything I do and don't do is centered around my faith. Because when those fires come, when the 4th of July fireworks don't go the way that were planned, you have a way to get through it. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. Um, this chapter has a really famous story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who go into a furnace. They go into a big fire. Um, and we're going to read about how God just kind of changes that situation, how God steps in and can really save people's lives. So we're going to be starting in verse 8, and it says this. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall in worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what will God be able to rescue from my hand? Let's pray, guys. Dear Lord, just thank you for this day, God. Um, thank you that we have a place just to worship you and to hear more about you, God. I pray that you can just speak through me um, to remind these people and to let some of them know what a real faith looks like. I pray that they can just be touched by this message of how we rely on God in tough situations, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what the beginning of this chapter kind of, it paints this picture of, there's a massive gold statue of King Neb, and he's saying, whenever the music starts playing, you bow down and worship that statue. You bow down and worship me. Um, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in their faith, they're saying, we're not going to worship you. We worship God. We don't worship you. And he is saying, if you don't worship me, I'll throw you in a fire. I'll throw you in a furnace. Um, so, these three men are choosing to stand out. They are choosing not to follow the norm, choosing not to follow what the world is telling them. Um, I've read that it was estimated there were almost 4,600 people that all bowed down at once to this statue, except for three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who chose not to, who chose to take a step in their faith. Um, if you're taking notes, this is the first point I want you guys to write down, which is real faith is countercultural. Real faith is countercultural. See, we are called by Jesus to be in the world, but not of the world. Now, one good thing about that is we all have the first step done. We are all in the world. We can't change that. We're not from the moon. We are all on earth right now. Um, but the part that we do need to focus on is being not of the world. 
not following what the world tells us to do, not pursuing what the world wants us to pursue. You see, Jesus stood out, not just in his ministry, but in his entire life. Jesus stood out from the rest of the world. That's what we are called to do. We are called to live differently. We are called to act differently. We are called to be different people than that of the world. And it's not just by what we do, not just by how we act, not just by how we talk, but it's also by the decisions that we make, by the decisions that we choose to make and the decisions we also choose not to make. I think it can speak a lot about a person's heart just by the decisions that they don't make. I think it's easy for us to make someone bad decisions, but it's a lot harder to make not bad decisions. So we're going to continue in, J in Daniel chapter 3 with verse 16. It says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God will serve, we serve is able to, de to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know that your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The even if he does not hear is something that is so important to, important to me. Um, because he is saying, no matter what, even if God does not deliver me from the fire, I'm not going to be upset about it. See, I think us as people pride ourselves on the decisions that we make. Uh, we call it critical thinking, um, where we always get stuck in a situation and we're like, if we make this decision, this outcome will happen. If we make this decision, this outcome will happen. And we pride ourselves on always being able to make the right decision. Well, what they are saying here is that the decision is the same no matter what. Whichever decision has your faith in it and has God in it is the one you choose. It's the one you go for every single time. See, listen to this. You can't judge obedience by the perceived outcome when God's word is in it. Let me say that again. You can't judge obedience by the perceived outcome when God's word is in it. No matter the situation, whichever side you're picking, if God's word is in it, the outcome is going to be better than you could imagine. The outcome is going to be even greater than what you could have thought of, what you even could think is real, because that's the, that's the territory that God works in. He works in miracles. He works in outcomes that are so obscene to us and so crazy that we can't even think of them. See, the second point that I wanted to make is that real faith is uncompromising. Your faith shouldn't compromise. Now, I know there are a bunch of uncompromising things in every household, and I uh, figured I'd share one with ours. So we, uh, we have three dogs at the house. Um, we have one puppy that's massive. She's like 95 pounds, 10 months old. And uh, one uncompromising, I'm calling it an uncompromisable, not a word. One uncompromisable that we have in our house is no matter where the dogs are sitting on the couch, if we want to sit there, they have to move. We don't compromise our seat for them. They have to move. That's how our faith should be is that we don't compromise our faith for certain people, for certain decisions, for whatever it is. We don't compromise our faith. It comes first. Every decision we should make and do make should be based around that, no matter the outcome, no matter the situation, no matter how easy it appears to go the other way, our faith should be uncompromisable. We're going to continue now in, back in Daniel chapter 3 uh, with verse 19. It says this, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual 
and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unarmed, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into rubble. For no other god can save this way. See, the last point I want to make, and this is one that I really want to focus on for a bit, is that real faith converts critics. Real faith converts critics. As you see in this story of King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he was ready to throw these guys in the fire for not worshiping his God. He was ready to throw these guys in the fire for not worshiping him. But through what God could do in their situation, the script changed. Everything completely changed. Neb says that, call him King Neb because his name's very long. King Neb, uh, he says that anyone that speaks out against their God, anyone that speaks out against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God, will be cut into pieces, and their house will be turned into rubble. He completely flips the script. It goes from prosecution to salvation. King Neb goes from prosecution to salvation. How could that affect our lives? How could that work in our lives? Well, when we have the people of our life that are telling us, like, you're not worth it, you're not good, you're not good enough, whenever the people of our lives are telling us the negative things, when we choose to follow God, and we choose to be open about our faith, and we choose to be open about what God is doing in our lives, he can turn their life the exact same way he turned King Neb's. Don't think that God can't do something. As I said earlier, God's outcome, God's decision, what God does at the end of our decisions can completely change the entire time when we don't even see it happening. See, and one point I want to make about this is if there is no fire, then God doesn't show up. God allowed King, not King Neb, God allowed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go into the fire. God allowed them to go into the tough situation. God allowed them to walk through this tough season so he could show up at the end. If there is no fire, there is no glory. If there is no fire, King Neb doesn't change. How true is that for our lives, that we go through these tough times, we go through these tough situations, and we think, God, I can't handle it. God, I can't hang on to it. God, I need your help. And God shows up, but not only that, he shows up to the people around us too. 
God can turn any bad situation, God can turn any tough season, tough time in our lives completely around if we are faithful to him through it. So I'm going to share a little story about my friend Lindsay. Now, I'm going to share kind of what she's walking through and kind of ask her a question. We're going to hear her response. So Lindsay is a college softball player. She's a senior at North Greenville University, which is in Greenville, South Carolina. Now, me and her are very good friends, and Lindsay, being a college athlete, commits her entire life, everything about her, towards softball. Um, I personally never played college sports because I wasn't good enough, but if I had, I'm sure that I would view it as a full-time job just like she does. And the sad thing about Lindsay is she's had not one but two should have been career-ending knee injuries. Um, she's had two really bad knee injuries that put a big halt and put a big pause on her softball playing career. Now, when all you're doing is committing your life to one thing and you get it taken away from you, that's pretty heartbreaking. That's very heartbreaking, very devastating. Um, but she was strong enough to fight through it, not just once, to, but to fight through it twice. Um, whereas she was getting ready for her senior year this year, um, being able to play, uh, being able to pitch again and just enjoy what she loved doing. Where, well, the bad part is, and the sad part is, that wasn't the scariest thing that was gonna happen to her. Um, this year, over Easter, she was in a really bad ATV accident. Um, the ATV accident, she ended up getting a really bad concussion. Now, at first, it seemed like she escaped pretty well. She just got a very severe concussion. She was going to be fine a few months later. Well, unfortunately, the concussion turned into what she called a complex concussion, which I'm not exactly sure what that term means. But uh, what she told me is that it's basically a concussion with lingering effects that can last for quite a long time. Now, she has some of the worst lingering effects because she gets, uh, she gets really bad migraines. And when she gets these migraines, they bring stroke-like symptoms to her body, which cause the right side of her body to be completely paralyzed. Um, that started in March or during Easter weekend and is still continuing on today, uh, seven months later. So the thing about Lindsay, though, is if you know her and you ever talk to her, like if I called her on the phone right now, I'm sure she would sound like the most positive person you'd ever meet. Um, she is nothing but love and joy and when you talk to her, you would think nothing nothing wrong is going on in her life, but she is going through such a tough time. She's currently not able to play softball, um, hasn't been back to school in a year, so isn't set to graduate when she was supposed to. Um, she's going through a lot, and uh, yet she's so positive and so focused on what God is doing in her life. So I sent her a text the other day, and I was like, hey, I kind of want to use your story for my message. Is that okay? She was like, yeah, for sure. Like, go for it. I was like, all right, I have a big question for you. And uh, so I sent her the question, and I really asked her, how are you able to be so joyful and hopeful in the season that you're going through? And I was expecting, you know, kind of a short text back or whatever. She sent me a four-minute-long voice memo. So we're going to play that now. Yo, so when I saw the question that you texted me, I was like, oh, that is such a good question, and it's such a heavy question, because sometimes we can answer that question and be like, oh, yeah, like, Jesus is awesome. That's why I'm so positive, which, yes, is absolutely true. But there's so much depth involved in that question, I feel like. And so um, when you asked, how are you able to stay so positive and so hopeful in a season that is so hard? I first, like, immediately, like, thought back to, like, previous experiences and seasons that were hard of um, blowing out both knees and just hard seasons with 
with family issues. And I remember in those seasons, like, specifically just, like, being angry with the Lord and feeling like not having anything to be hopeful about and um, not having anything to be expected about. So I wasn't joyful and I wasn't positive in those hard seasons because I just, I didn't have a deep rooted relationship with Jesus where I knew that he was truly a good father and that he was walking with me in the midst. And so with the hard seasons in the past, I was definitely able to grow and mature and in the in the seasons like after that really come to know the Lord. But um I think walking through hard seasons where you don't know the Lord, there's definitely not gonna be a positive light at the end of the tunnel because you don't have that hope and you don't have that strength to get through. And so when I was thinking and reflecting back um just on this journey I've been walking through the past seven months um, and able to see such the faithfulness of the Father, I was um, reminded about three days before the accident, I um, was praying through Acts twenty twenty four, and it reads, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel, the grace of God. And so Paul was writing this, and um, he's knowing he's going to Jerusalem, knowing he's going to be persecuted, potentially be killed, all these terrible things. And he's saying, hey, but like, yet I consider my life worth no account. Like I'm willing to walk through the fire because I know the gospel is at stake and I know the transformational power of the truth, um, which is the gospel. And so that had been my prayer the three days before the accident even happened. Um, and so the accident happened. Yes, awful, scary, never want it to happen to anyone. But about two weeks later, when I came to my senses, I was like, wow, Jesus, like, man, you're a faithful father. And if somebody comes to know you through this, I'll take it any day of the week. Now, that doesn't discredit the hardness of it and the hardness it is to walk through and the pain um, and the confusion and all the questions of why this happened, why my softball career ended, why I'm not able to graduate on time, why I'm not able to go back to school this semester, and all those questions which are hard, um, but being able to know that my father is so good and he is so faithful and I can't discredit his faithfulness all the way in the past and what he's doing now in this season because he's such a good and faithful father. And so if I didn't have a relationship with Jesus in this season, oh man, there would be no hope filled in my joy, in my voice. Um, there would be no excitement. There would be nothing to be expectant about because it would just be walking alone. But knowing I have Jesus to walk with me by my side every single step of the way has been absolutely incredible. And to pour my heart out before him in prayer and just see how he's so faithful in the season to bring people into my life to encourage me, to walk with me through the battle, um, to uplift me has been absolutely game-changing. So um, that answers the question. And yeah, the Lord's a good father in the midst of seasons that are so hard. So cling to the expectancy of that promise. So Whenever we hear that, um, first off, that is something that every time I've listened to it, I've gotten not teary-eyed, but I've gotten really, yeah, kind of teary-eyed <laughs> uh, because she is such a good friend to me. But 
Lindsay has said so many impactful things in that short little memo that I kind of wanted to point out. Um, the first thing she said was that the season is still tough, that the season she's walking through is still tough. She said she didn't want to discredit the pain and the anger and everything that it came along with it just because God is so much better. The seasons that we walk through are still tough. The things that we go through in our life are still going to beat us down. They're still going to want to break us apart. We're still going to feel all the bad emotions that come with it. But there's hope at the end. As Lindsay said, she is hopeful that what she is walking through will change somebody's life. She says that she is expectant of somebody's life being changed, somebody choosing to follow God because of her situation, because of what she's going through. Um, how true is that in our life? That as we look also through the story uh, with King Nebuchadnezzar, as they went into the fire, they went into what should have been a life-ending situation, but God changed it. Through their tough season, God changed King Neb. Through their tough season, God changed the entire country's opinion because he was the one that was changing the country's opinion to be God-centered, to be focused on God. See, God gave King Neb, Abednego, not King Neb, sorry. God gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the strength they needed to go through the fire. The same way that he's giving Lindsay the strength that she needs to go through her situation. The same way that he gives us the strength to go through our situations. And with that strength comes peace, joy, love, happiness, all the emotions that we need in those tough times. And they're not always going to come straight from God. As Lindsay said, she has been impacted by all the people God has put in her life to encourage her. By all the people that God has put in her walk to encourage her to be focused on God. So I just wanted to, I'm going to close the message off with this and saying that just because the bad times bring negative emotions doesn't mean that that is the end of the time. There's always, there's always summer in the, in the seasons. We might be walking through winter now, but there's always going to be spring. There's always going to be summer. There's always going to be a better ending when God is in the picture. When God is there, there's hope. When God is there, there's joy. There's things to look forward to after it. So I just wanted to come here and share these words with you and to remind you guys that no season you're walking through is going to be too big, going to be too hard, too tough when God is in the picture. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.